Welcome back to another episode of To The Bottom Music Podcast. Tonight's guest is Dan Musa. Dan was the bass player from a legendary band here in Chicago called Brockmarks. In his spare time, he plays in a band called Good Time Heroes. He owns a company called Sweet Spot Audio Engineering, and he also has this thing called Rent-A-Bass. Dan was also the bass player in a band called Backdrop. Here we go. You want to introduce Dan, or you want me to do it? Oh, you fucking do it. Oh fuck. So if we fuck this up, I'll go back and redo it. But right, we right. can we can we can punch that right. Right, right. We can punch <laughs> it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the to the bottom pod musicpod.com. <laughs> fuck. All right, we fucked it up already. Yeah, we'll, we'll add a little bit later. <laughs> On today's show, we have Dan Musa. Say hello. <laughs> hello, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, so why don't we start with you talking a little bit back in the day, like how you got involved in music, and when was your first experience with, was it bass, guitar, drums? <clears throat> back in grade school, and I've reflected on this a little bit, over my life, it, it, North School, Phillip Park, they bring you all to the cafeteria, which which is also the gymnasium, which is also the stage and the auditorium, yeah. it's all, every, right. a multi-purpose room. And they bring in the kids from like junior high and high school, that whole orchestra and band is all sitting up there and they play you a couple numbers. And they say, why don't you go up and talk to the musicians afterwards and figure out if you want to play one of those instruments? And then you go home, and then you tell your parents, I want to do that. And so I listened to them all, and I was immediately drawn to the cello. Yeah, wow. I, th- I think it was in third grade. Wow. And I went up, and I'm like, I want to do this. This this is what I want to do. And I got the information about it. I went home to my parents and said, hey, cello. And they're like, it's bigger than you. <laughs> like, you're going to carry that thing? Yeah. You're, yeah. <laughs> Which like, is exactly uh, what my parents were saying. How, how are you going to get this thing around? Like, yeah. what? why don't you try the, uh, like the trumpet? Huh? Why don't you try the, I'm like, I didn't want to try the trumpet. Yeah. Like, I tried the recorder. I suck at it. I don't, I don't want that. <laughs> I want the cello. So I just said, oh, scrap it. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to pursue this right now. It was, you're in grade school. You, you move on to other things. Yeah. And then through my experience at Albright, you get into this really bass-heavy hip-hop sure. music. And n- none of it really, like, like there were cool songs and all that, but there's not a lot of instruments playing. But what I really tended to enjoy was that thumping, yep. body-rattling sensation that you get from that low-end, that house music. And H-O-U-S-C. Uh, <laughs> That's right. And... Uh, <clears throat> I would always have at, at home a, a decent stereo, and when my parents would leave, I would I would just crank it up. I would I would see how many things I could shake and vibrate in the room, and that that really yeah. that was a lot of fun for me. Just like feeling that and, and hearing that, even though it might be punk rock music, which all you get is the kick drum out of, out, right, right. <laughs> out of those mixes back in the day. But that was what I really like gravitated towards. Now, here I am in high school flash forward to that and I'm hanging out with Tina Tyson and I'm hanging out with Johnny Brockmeyer and uh, we're just hanging out driving around in Tina's old beat up Mustang 
going everywhere in that thing. I didn't have a car. She had it. We, we went places. And one time we end up over at Johnny's house in his garage in, um, in Villa Park. I think that was on the skirts of Villa Park Lombard there. And we're like, let's start a band. <laughs> the three of us, like, we could start, we could do this. We could start a band. What should we do? Uh, what should we call it? And we were more, like, intrigued about what we were going to call it than, yeah, sure. than what we were going to play. Because none of us can play anything. Yeah. We're all, like, level zero. Like, you got that's, <laughs> every high school band starts with the name. Yeah. Then you learn the instruments. And then maybe you write a song or two. Right. Yeah. Or maybe you write a song or two, then you learn the instruments. Or you never do either. <laughs> right. But, but the name is, is probably the most important thing. Yeah. So what age is this... Uh, in the, high school, um, or what? What grade? I think this is this is uh, probably well, probably post sixteen because some junior driving. or senior year. No, yeah. I I didn't. I don't think I had a license yet. Right. Yeah, but that that came shortly thereafter. But yeah, I I probably see junior high school. Okay. Yeah, and it then, wasn't high school yet. No, it was high. School. Oh, it was. Oh, it was high okay. School Never mind. Because yeah, Tina would have been right. senior. Maybe I was sophomore. So yeah. mid high school. Okay, so you decide to start a band. Right, and so we're in the garage. We almost called it the Tysons. We almost called it the Musas. Yeah. Johnny had a cooler name. Right. Well, right. I don't know if it was cooler, but I mean, it was cooler. Like for, out of the three of us? To first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think at that time we're like, all right, I think Tina was going to play bass. I think I was going to play guitar, and Johnny was going to play drums because he had drums. Yeah. But I think he also had a guitar. And I think he wanted to play guitar and not play the drums. So it was one of those situations where, like, we're all daydreaming about this stuff. But I decided to borrow his guitar for, yeah. for, um, for a week or so, just bring it home. Know nothing about it. Nothing how to tune it. Don't know how to play it. Really perplexed by this thing. Yeah. It, 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 was, it was so funny. It was one of those days where nobody was home. And so I, I, had, I was trying to crank up the guitar real loud, yeah. had, had the window open, and they're like a, a telesales, or not a telesales, a solicitor comes over yeah. and is, it is uh, you know, ringing the doorbell and then <laughs> trying to sell me something. And then immediately says, hey, you, you should probably try to tune that guitar. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, well, uh, I'm like, I just got it. Like, he didn't understand that was literally the first day I was trying to play a guitar. Like, oh, I didn't shit. know anything yeah. about it. I'm like, yeah, I'm... I'm working on it, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Like, kind of a compliment, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest with you. But um, I, we end up not doing anything with that project. I end up returning the guitar back to Johnny, and we, we, we just kind of let that, that dream fade away for, for a minute. Um, and then all of a sudden I hear about Bad Hair Day, and, and, I, and I hear that, Tina Tyson's in this band with 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 some some kids from school, and it's called the Brockmeyers. And I go, wait a minute, <laughs> hold on a second. Yeah. That's what we were going to be. The, yeah. the, that was almost the muses. What we're, the hell? We were going to do that thing, but yeah, we're not. But then all of a sudden there was Bad Hair Day. And Fuck. See, I didn't. This is so good. I didn't know any of this. Yeah. What, what do you think of this so far? It's fucking amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is key. this is this is very important for for people that are listening. You don't even know like what what legendary status the whole Brockmeyers. It's such a what would you call it uh, legacy? Yeah, a a it's a Villa Park legacy. I, I think it was at the forefront of the the Villa Park 
band scene. scene. Yeah. Right, right. Well, I think, you know. <clears throat> which I would call the Lombard band mm-hmm. scene. You, 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 the whole thing. But right next door. VP, Which Lombard, would also be Elmhurst. called the Elmhurst yeah. band scene. And, right. Yeah. And we'll take unincorporated. Uh, and which, which nobody would call the Addison band scene except the kids from Addison. Yeah, no, you can't go there. But no. No, They no. would get shut out instantly. Yeah. Well, continue. Sorry. No, okay, okay. So I, I hear about this. I'm a little little jealous because I'm like, well, wait, wait a minute, that was gonna be, was gonna be our project, but I appreciated it for what it was. I, I didn't know Jason really well. I didn't know Graham really well. I didn't know um, uh, Tina b- beyond what we had drove around and gone to some shows. So I'm like, ah, so so what? So high school continues, and you get that little kind of subdivision between the 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 jocks and and the punks, and there was plenty of the punks. Right. At, at Willowbrook, and I fit in with them. It was the outcast that didn't really fit in with the other folks, but I just tagged along to the punk rock shows. I, I went there. I experienced them. You know, you know, Screeching Weasel came into town. You know, Pennywise came into town. Uh, the Queers came into town. You, you spent a lot of time at Fireside Bowl, and you had a good time. Right? Yeah, we didn't really even know what we were watching, like how fucking legendary that shit was you know oh, right you're in this little rat hole of a of yeah. a, a dive bar right. that just has like blown out pa speakers uh-uh. and people's cranked to 11 and come out of there your ears ring and you're like i think i had a good time <laughs> oh yeah you especially had a good time if you shit in the bathroom there too. oh yeah <laughs> did uh so at this point is cassidy in the band no okay and is he in those naked guys yet He's in those naked guys. Okay, so that band is going at the same time that the Brockmires are beginning. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So d- those naked guys are are something at Willowbrook, and the Brockmires had had spawned out of out of Willowbrook, and I had started to become friends w- with Jason, who was also that you know kind of outcast character at our school, and we were we were on the fringe and stayed away from the jocks kind of a thing, and, and we became friends, and kind of became friends with with Graham Jordan, and. Um, we'd be hanging over at, at Jason's house and he, all of a sudden he, he says, you know, Hey, uh, I'm going to start trying out some bass players for, for the Brockmires cause Tina has decided, you know, this isn't for her anymore and he's going to hold these tryouts. And so I'm just sitting shotgun while, while he, he's having these tryouts, but I'm kind of intrigued by this idea. And I remember it was, um, <coughs> Steve, um, trying to remember his last name no oh, i think harksos yep steve harksos comes over up to jason wacklewick's bedroom second floor uh in his house there and they have a tryout and uh he, he's like yeah i'm i'm, I'm gonna be in the brock myers he's got a bass and he, he comes in he's trying to sh- jason's trying to show him how to play bad hair day you know dun, 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 dun. not rocket science but none of us really knew how to play anything so if you could play that you were you were the shit right yeah and he's doing it but he's struggling He's not. He's not getting the, the the beats right. He's not getting anything right. And he leaves. And and I go, Jason. I I want to try that. Like, cause I think I can do that, right? And so I did. I picked it up. And for whatever reason, that came naturally to me. To be able just to play that riff, or right. to be able to play dot dot no dot. You know, back in the day, you didn't know the notes. Yeah. You just pointed at the fretboard and say, hit that one. Second sure. string, third fret. Yeah. And so a little time goes by, and Graham and, and, and Jason, after trying out some people, said, you know what, why don't you be our bass player? They say, we've tried out a bunch of people, 
and turns out we're not compatible with them socially, right? For whatever reason, they're not our friends, they're on the fringe, or yeah, whatever reason, you're just not clicking. And they're like, but we've been hanging out with you for a while, and you're our friend. Go buy a base. And I literally, literally did just that. I, um, I got into uh, Graham Jordan's beat-up station wagon, and we drove to the Arlington Heights Guitar Center. After I had gone and withdrawn $500 from my savings account, which was basically all of it. Yeah. You know, the, your parents start one. Yep. And, you know, they, they're like, you're going to save that for college. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm <clears throat> like, I'm going to take this. And I had told my mom, I'm like, I'm going to do this. And I had publicly told both my parents, I'm going to do this. My father was, nope, you will <laughs> not do that. You will not touch that money. You will not buy an instrument. Because my brother had gone before me mm. and tried to learn guitar, gone to lessons, gave up on it, and put it down. So he had a, a Les Paul yeah. and, and this nice Marshall valve amp, pretty pennies, yeah. sitting in the corner mothballed. Yeah. And so my parents like, no. I told my mom, I'm going to do this. She goes, I didn't see it. I didn't hear it. <laughs> so I All got All right, mom. Yeah. Took my cash, went to Guitar Center. Yeah. And I got 500 bucks, and I need to make it have everything that I need to be in a band. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, so I, need I need a bass. Did I just a, snort? I just snorted. I so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It, it's that good of a story. Yeah, it, it is. No, yeah, it's great. So, so I, I head up to this Arlington Heights Guitar Center, and I can still remember the way it was configured <laughs> at the time, and I'm looking up and down the bass wall, and I'm looking up and down the amp wall, and yeah, let alone a strap or, or a cord or anything like that, I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Everything is super expensive. Right. And the, the, the one thing that's in my price range, maybe, is this beat-up five-string Fender Squire. It's a PJ split. I didn't know what that was at the time. Right, right. <laughs> I just knew it had some pickups. And it had a metal headstock. Like, and by that I mean pointy. It was when oh. there was an era in the, in the 80s yeah. where Fender tried to keep up with all the pointy <clears throat> headstocks. Hmm. Was that the Katana? No, it wasn't called the Katana. It was a, straight up, it was a Fender Squire. <clears throat> wow. But it, but it was... It, and I and I sold it recently too, but it it, uh, it had a pointy headstock to it, and it was used and had a few nicks and beat up and all that stuff. And I think they they wanted a, a couple hundred bucks for it or whatever. So I'm like, this is the closest thing I can get, but it's a five string, and I don't even know how to play a four string. Yet. Right, right. <laughs> and Graham's like, well, you just take that string off. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah. So, Graham. So, so I'm like, oh, well, all right. Well, you know, if I don't need that one, well, yeah. what am I going to do with that? Take it off. So, I, and then I'm looking up and down the line of amps, and I see a, a crate combo, like a 15 inch 100 watt crate combo. You know, that's pushing the boundary on the budget there. That's the most expensive thing. And then again, the, the, the strap and the cord. Now you got the salesman on your shoulder. What can I get for you? What can I get for you? I said, I need these things. And he comes back with a price. And I, I'm like, I have this much money. <laughs> I have $500 cash. Yeah. How can I make this out the door? Yeah. And so he, he, he pulls that for me. He pulls wow. it. He, he's like, Here, here's, you know, here's a cord. You know, here's a strap. Actually, I don't think I got the strap. I think I bought that, that later because I couldn't afford it. It was that extra 20 bucks. Yeah, that yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> got my crate amp, got my bass, and I got my cord. We threw it in the back of the station wagon, and we drove right to Jason's house, and we had rehearsal. 
Damn. <clears throat> and who was on drums? At that point in time, I, it wasn't Cassidy yet because we. I think we we were in the midst of trying to recruit Cassidy at, at that point in time. You may not even have had a drummer at that. No, we we had a drummer. I'm trying to remember his name. I I, I remember we had we had played in in the living room. And we had converted that first floor when you first walked into Jason's house. The door on the left, we had converted that into the, to the the rehearsal space. But I'm I for the life of me, I'm I'm drawing a blank on the drummer. He really good drummer, but didn't click. Oh, I mean, yeah. God, I can't think of his name. But okay, so anyways, right to practice, <laughs> right to practice, and and they just do dot dot no dot, and I get through practice. And, and like, you know, I don't have a tuner, don't have anything. I would just ear tune with all of them. Yep. But it came naturally to me. And then I went home and I, I reflected on this. I'm like, okay, well, this makes sense. I had tried the guitar, but I royally sucked at holding any kind of chord formation. And, and I didn't know how to do anything with it. And I like this low end sensation that I got from all this house music and all that. I'm like, I, I'm the low end now. Like this, this jives with me. This made sense to me. It immediately clicked with me, you know, there was no problems like how to hold the pick. There was yeah. no problems like skipping over strings. There was no problem, you know, doing any of the fingering. At that point in time, you just put all your energy into one fret at a time yeah. anyway. Yeah, which kind of makes sense going back to the cello because it's that low end kind of like, you know. I knew in third grade that I wanted to play the bass, but it manifested in a, a cello. I didn't want the, the upright. Right, right. Know? But the cello is the close cousin. Right. And so I reflected back on that years later. I'm like, I knew in grade school that's what I wanted. Yeah. But it was unattainable at that time until I decided that, you know, I'm going to pursue on this now. My dad had a fit. Yeah. My dad came home from work that day. <laughs> <laughs> You're taking that back right now. You're taking that back right now. Fuck and, I ain't. <laughs> <laughs> and and my mom stood up for me and said, yeah. "Well, he's going to do this. This is his money. This is this. You know, you know. Here it is, twenty something years later. I have paid for that thing how many times over? Yeah. You know, right. and it wasn't just like you know, five hundred bucks thrown away. Yeah, you it, never stopped. It was an investment into to what I do to this very day. Right. Yeah. Right. Damn. So, Brock Myers. Then from this point, <clears throat> um, how? long of a run did you guys have with Dan, Graham, yourself, and Jason? Well, we, we started, um, it was the beginning of 96. It was like January 96 is when I purchased this space, is when I, okay. I started. I, I, I kind of got that ingrained in my mind. And then we recruited Dan, and then I think in the, in the interim there, I had spent enough time over at Jason's house that we converted his basement into the rehearsal space that it became because rehearsing up on the first floor was too much for mom. Moved everything downstairs to the basement. And we tried out Mr. I show up with the 7-Eleven super big gulp every day. Mr. Oh, yeah. Daniel Cassidy. We, we convinced him enough to like, hey, you know, I don't know if those naked guys were taking a break or if it, it had run its course or, or what, but we got him interested in what we were doing. And, and he came in and it was just like the perfect fit, right? Right. Because he had... He had the harmonies, and he had that punk rock beat that wouldn't quit, you know. But it, it was intricate on top of that. Yeah. He wasn't just your straightforward punk rock drummer. He was maybe the one of the most impressive local drummers back then, mm -hmm. because his hi hat foot was oh, yeah. always going. Yeah, 
even if it was just on the floor. Like, no matter what he was doing, I would always notice, like, his left foot is tapping the beat, like, no matter what. And that's, like, hard to do, you yeah. know, unless you really kind of know your shit. I don't he know. was also kind of like a Dave Grohl, very musical with the drums, yeah. melodic, you know. Um, not He was doing the straight-up shit, but he was awesome at the rolls. Yeah. Oh, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was just putting them in the right place at the right time, singing behind the drums. Nobody was really doing that, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know. The whole I, – I think you guys were the best rendition of the Brock Myers compared to, you know, where it went from there. But, um, Wow. That's crazy. But I they, didn't. I didn't know all that. It, it was very short lived. On, on top of that, so with that spring of '96, where we bring in Cassidy and we get, um, I think it was our first show at the North Lake Basement Club. If you remember that that club no, out I don't in North Lake, that one, no. it, it was uh, a, a just a small uh, public place that you could hold a punk rock show, basically, and and uh, and and we were doing that. I think. I think Orange Crotch was playing with us. I'd really have to go back. I remember Ben Perani and, Ra- and, and uh, Ravi, what's his name, being there. And, yeah, Ravi Shaw. Yeah, Ravi Shaw and, and the likes of them being there. They didn't like me so much. Um, but right before that show, so we're, we're rehearsing for that show. We're getting ready for that show. We're getting enough material for like a nice little punk rock set, 20, 30 minutes, right? That's what you do back then. And I was in um, Willowbrook's weightlifting class. If you remember going down into the basement behind yeah. the track, there was that weightlifting class oh, yeah. there. That was it's just one of the things you, you ended up doing on the rotation of the, the stuff at Willowbrook. And I was doing uh, chest flies, you know, big old, like, lay down on the bench. You know, I have a couple of dumbbells. And I threw the dumbbells onto the floor after the last rep because it was heavy. But somebody had left weights on the floor. And... I immediately felt super sharp pain in my left hand, and I went like, ah, like shook my hand. And I watched as a spray of blood shot across the ceiling and the wall and all of the equipment in front of me. And when I looked down, the tip of this finger was not attached. It was kind of like uh, hanging on there. And I'm like, (laughs) I shoved it back on. And I ran over to the, 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 the coach, and I'm like, they're like, go! <laughs> run up to the nurse. She's like, just run it under some cold water. It'll be okay. And I'm standing there, and I'm looking at the fleshy bits you shouldn't be able to yeah, see. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, and my mom picks me up right away from school, takes me to the emergency room, and the first thing they do is, like, lay your hand out flat so we can x-ray it. No. So I do that, straighten it all out. They get some x-rays. They have me sit there. And the end result was that I had broken the tip of the bone of these two fingers, and I had ripped this finger off. You can kind of see the scar across my my finger there. So only the nail was left, and the rest had ripped off from the bottom. How the fuck do I not know this after being in a band with you for as many years? I don't know. Jesus. So what they do is they, they remove the fingernail, they sew the finger back together, and then they shove the nail back in the bed. Holy shit. And they're like, well, you got like kind of three options here. One, your finger's going to come back and it's going to be just fine. You'll have a nail. Everything will be great. Or you might lose the nail. Or you, you might, uh, you know, lose part of that finger and we'll, we'll address that then. So lo and behold, I ended up keeping the finger. 
Yeah, it looks pretty good. Yeah. It does have some nerve pain in there. I can see that. I can see but that. But occasionally when I when I hit it just the right spot, right up this thing. Mm. Anyway, take you back to the Brockmeyer's days then. <clears throat> so I got two finger casts. And they can't really do anything about it. Like, It's basically, they put a, a plastic tube over your finger so you don't bump the tip. Yeah. There's no way to set that. Yeah. Couple that with all the stitches... It was wrapped, 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 and then they put like this little plastic thing, kind of like the little pizza thing you have in the middle. Yeah. But like with a little dome top, it slid over both fingers and you tape it on. Mm. And so I went to rehearsal and I learned how to play bass <laughs> with these two fingers. Fucking amazing. I did. For the listeners, he's making the heavy metal. Yeah, double the heavy horns. metal double horn sound. Yeah. <laughs> and so, because I, I, I straight up couldn't. So your index and your pinky finger? Uh, my pointer and right. my, my, uh, my pinky. So. You know, instead of learning correctly, I learned with these two fingers. Those it, are probably the most important fingers on bass anyway. Could be. Yeah, well, I, I would think, even say... I think I use those fingers more than my other fingers for rock and roll stuff, yeah. definitely. Yeah, a lot of octave work and all yeah. that stuff. You, you, you get there, but in the beginning, when you're first learning to play, your pinky doesn't want to play. Right, right. your pinky's <laughs> right. always the one that's not. But doesn't it, want to cooperate. But it so. should. It should. And, and you should, you know... You should learn that and work on that and train it. You kind of got forced into that, yeah. you know? There were, there were no options. So when we got to the, the first gig, my first official gig at North Lake Basement Club, I was playing with finger casts, Yeah. and I was just playing like this. Which was punk rock as fuck. Punk rock as fuck. <laughs> That's amazing. So what about the yellow tape? Well, the, <clears throat> So we do that that gig and uh we decide that we're going to uh record um dan tompkins yeah dan tompkins had a studio in the basement right? yeah studio in the basement his his buddy had a um had a medical incident where he had his uh testicle. he had his testicle removed <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and, and, it, and it turned out not to be a problem. I think and, it was the left nut. And, and, and his buddy went back and sued if, for malpractice and said, you removed my nut in, in hindsight. <laughs> there was nothing wrong with it. Yeah. So, so <laughs> Dan Tompkins and, the, and this, this guy took some of the settlement money and just bought like a whole bunch of gear. Yeah. <laughs> they bought a whole PA. They they bought like microphones and stuff like that and 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 uh, I don't know if they bought like the the four track that we were playing on or whatever but we would go over to Dan Tompkins basement and we're we're gonna record this uh, this yellow tape we're, we're we, you know we're gonna figure this out we're gonna record this you know and it's it's just a four track so it's it's just record bounce record bounce record bounce so you got the whole band on there just record bounce over and over and over again yeah. So we go over there, and I think, if I recall correctly, we did bass and drums live track, probably just a kick and an overhead, and uh, then did the bass, and then just shoved everything over to to the last track there. But yeah, I we did most all of that in you know a take or two. Like we just we plopped it on, we played along to it, mistakes and all. Um, spent plenty of time there with the overdubs. I think the the vocals were the biggest challenge of the yellow tape from what I recall. The the bass and drums went down smooth, the guitars went down pretty easy, but it was just getting those extra notes, those harmonies dialed in because again you're you're in high school and you're trying to figure all this stuff out. So the the yellow tape was then produced down in um 
Dan Tompkins' basement. We we did that there, and then they sent it in. I think Dan Tompkins wanted to take some of that that money there and start a record label with it. And and I, for the life of me, I can't remember what the name of it was that he put on the back of that yellow tape. But we said, okay, we we've got this this tape here, and we're going to send it in for production. And they send it in for production. They come back and say, "Okay, well, do you? How do you want us to to do this? You know, do you want us to split the songs? You know, half on this side, half on that side. Do you just want it like all play this way, all play that way? Like, how do you want it?" And for whatever reason, whoever was talking to the the, the person producing this just said, just "Put the whole tape on each side," and they took it literally and ran the tape with all of the silence at the end. So if you ever listen to the yellow tape, there's a whole buttload of silence at the end because they literally just put it in and well, produced yeah, that track and then they flipped it over and produced <laughs> the track. So you, you got the same thing on both sides with a huge amount of space at, yeah. at, at, at each end. You know, but we're in high school. We, we don't know the ins and outs on how to replicate yeah. your music. We did this in the basement. The guy that, the guy that did it was probably like 23 yeah you know oh put the whole tape on okay no like, dan was probably yeah he was <clears throat> shit, he was 19 probably right me tompkins um no so i went to college and i believe when i went to college i was 17 i turned 18 when i when i got to college so uh, tompkins had to be right around 17 okay so that was recorded after high school that was Right, senior year senior of high year. school for me. Okay, so I graduated '96. So that was spring of '96. We, we did that. Damn. And it became legendary. It it, it did, but uh, again, it was it was kind of short lived. So we we made the tape. We played a couple of cool VFW shows. We start to get into that scene playing VFW shows, and I still have in my basement one of the early VFW shows on VHS. And I got I gotta get it onto a computer somehow. Yeah, upload it to YouTube. Well, right, but I, I gotta I gotta convert it from VHS to oh, digital I got, format. I got stuff. I can do he's, it. He's got yeah, stuff. Yeah, let's go over to his. Yeah, bring it over. All right, we'll do it. We'll do it. We'll get that on because it needs to be on. Yeah, I got a nice Panasonic Super VHS player. Nice. See, mine, hard to mine, get now. mine broke. Yeah. Mine broke. I borrowed. Well, my I have parents. like a stack of. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we'll do it. Well, we gotta get that done for sure. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Okay, so the Brockmers. <clears throat> That's the story in a nutshell. Well, yeah, kind of. The, there's there's some some details there about the, the the album artwork, the the whole insert where we just went to a local bus yard uh, off of St. Charles in, in by the Villa Park Addison area there, Addison Road and Villa Park. There, there's a bar. Yeah, I remember the that. Champs. Champs, yeah. Right yeah. next to it is a bus yard. Yeah. And we just went to the bus yard and we just I took pictures in front of all the buses and like jumping off buses and doing all this cool stuff. <laughs> and then Jason and I like sat in 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 his house and we we. Photoshop the crap out of it until it became that that yeah. yellow insert. Damn, it's crazy how you know at the time you're like, yeah, cool, this is a, a cool thing to do. Now looking back, you're like, yeah, we just you know trespassed and, <laughs> and uh, maybe what could be considered vandalizing a little bit. Yeah, we, we, we tried to open you know, up the bus. Yeah, <laughs> breaking and entering. Of course you did. Yeah. Graham was trying to start one and steal it. Yeah, but back then you're like, oh yeah, this is fine to do. Yeah, we just we need some pictures, so we're gonna go take them. Yep. You know. Yep. So that 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 carried through the summer of '96. Okay. And I went to college at, at the fall of '96, okay. and, and so you know, like the I think Graham and Jason were a year behind me, and and Daniel too, I think. 
And we all made promises that, yeah, I'll, I'm, it's, uh, you know, everybody at NIU went home for the weekends. I'm like, I will be home all the time on the weekends. Let's keep this going. And so I keep making plans with Jason. Let's do it. He says, no, let's do it. No. Now, remember, this isn't cell phone time yet. This is like you have to do a landline. You have to have somebody talk to somebody. Yeah. So there's always a bit of like telef- Pre, kind of pre-pager even, right? It, I had a pager. Okay. But but I was one of the few people that yeah, had, yeah. A, had a pager at the time. Yeah. You know, Jason wasn't going to have a pager. Right. So so we tried to do this a whole bunch. And uh, <laughs> I, I kept coming home and saying, hey, let's do this. And he kept kind of just shrugging me off. And I come to find out as I'm in college, and I think I was at school maybe when I found out that they had continued the Brockmeyers without me. They had mm-hmm. made a collective decision to say, he's no longer here in this high school scene. Because when you're, you're that young, that, that scene, that, that atmosphere yeah. is everything. Yeah. Right. And it's day to day too. Yeah. So it's, if you're out of the picture for three days, they don't know you anymore. You right. Know? So put it three months later. Yeah. And I and I come to find out that they just decided well, they'll do it as a three piece for a while. So they went ahead and put Graham on bass, and then it was Jason and Daniel, and and they did that. And and I remember coming home one weekend, and it was poor timing because I I had um, <laughs> had some dental work done, and my whole front lip was numb. But it was the time I was home from school, so I drove by Jason's house, and and I confronted him about the situation but meanwhile we're trying to have this <laughs> discussion and argument while my limbs are kind of blah, 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 trying to show this angry face but I can't feel what half the, my what face the fuck, man? <laughs> oh my god it's funny you remember that yeah well I back in the day I mean I, I guess you, I would remember you, re- that you replay these things a bunch right that was that was my first band that was that was, yeah, like, it was hurtful uh, it, it, yeah so you remember it it, yeah, it, yeah, it yeah. stung like I'm like but I didn't do anything wrong I said I'd come home I did come home but you all decided, you yeah. know. But I, I mean, I, I can understand why they wanted to progress forward. Right. But there, I mean, there was, I think shortly thereafter that, though, was when um, Chris Messer and Graham hopped, or, and, and Daniel hopped, yeah. hopped over to show off. Because I think it was Daniel wanted to reconnect with Dave Hyde. Mm-hmm. And AYA, I think, had... On the wayside, yeah, wayside and I think Graham followed suit with them, and then there starts your show-off adventure, right? Which onboards me, but first, actually, I mean, I, it's so been so long, I can't remember the whole progression. But it was George. Georgie came on board. I took Georgie's spot. Okay, I know Nate Hanazuski was there for a while, right? So when George and Dan was in the band for like, I was in the band with. Uh, Dan, I think Dan hung in there for like maybe a week or something after the whole George thing. And I can't remember how the whole George thing went down. But whatever happened, George went, then Daniel went, and then we're like, oh, shit, what are we going to do now, you know? And Jason was like, I want to keep it going, you know? He's like, well, we'll just see. uh, What about Chris Klein? So Chris Klein came into the picture, played drums, and then we picked up Nate. And Nate was playing bass of... I remember. No, yeah. Yeah, he was playing bass, Jason and I on guitars, and then it just kept flip-flopping for a little while there, you know? I remember seeing you at a um, a small coffee house in downtown Villa Park by the Ovaltine factory. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there was a couple. There were always coffee houses. Yeah, and I think that maybe it was the first time I saw you playing with the Brockmeyers. Yeah, so that was like my first 
well, my first band was Blue Foil with Jim King and Brent Maxson, <laughs> which was badass. But that was my real, like, you know, experience into, like, playing in front of people because we just played in Jim's basement but um, or Jim's bedroom. But anyways, yeah, as the years went on, I think the Brockmeyers were more like it was always touch and go. Yeah. Because there was so much love in the room and then also at the same time we got on each other's nerves very easily. Oh, yeah. But we were at the perfect time where it was hard to keep friendships anyways because everybody was experiencing something different, you know what I mean, and new friends or whatever it might be, and we were drinking and, you know, some of us smoking way too much pot, and I think that would start to waver Jason's feelings about who was in the band or whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah, there there was a lot of um, change-ups of the guard, the people that you would hang out with on a daily basis, the people who would rotate in and out of uh, those crowds. A lot of two-facing going on, kind of, in a way. There there were. I can remember some conversations, I won't name any names, about people just talking about the other band members, and, like, they weren't wrong. Right. right. (laughs) But, you know, you don't necessarily call out your friends for that, but there was was a lot of of that. And, again, pre-cell phone... Everybody was getting their driver's licenses. You know, everyone was starting to like, oh, I beer? What's, what? Let me try that yeah. out. Let me see how much of a jerk I can be and get away with it. Well, that, it, it stemmed right into VPHC. Right. And then actually speaking of the alcohol, that was actually kind of the start of alcohol becoming a problem as far as friendships mm-hmm. because so much was being consumed and we were partying so hard and playing music that that was kind of like what was... If there wasn't alcohol, I bet you there wouldn't have been as many fights. To be honest with you. Fair enough. But um, Sounds legit. (laughs) And then The Hanger with, Ah, with, um, you know, Herboth opening The Hanger, that was kind of like when everyone else started coming into the picture and we started, you know, making friends outside with LBC and, like, all that kind of stuff. So pretty interesting how it started with the Brockmeyers. Tom started the tease, you know, there was a show-off, and everything just kind of just, like, spun. But it all started with the Brockmeyers. If you guys hadn't started the Brockmeyers, I don't know if a lot of us would have started our own bands. Hmm. I mean, right? Kind of, in a way? You, you, you don't know when you're at the ground level, like what everybody else was thinking at the time. I've, I've heard some folks say that along the way, that, you know, it was some of the origin of the scene. I'm not going to take credit for the, the origin of the scene, but I think a lot of the bands forming... Like, there's a reason they opened a guitar center in Villa Park. Right. Uh, right. And it, there's a reason they did it when they did it. They yeah. saw, like, our our class of, you know, 95, and a, six. And a Sam Ash right down the street in Lombard. Exactly. Right. Like, that, like a mile that away. Came, that came, I think, after that, that yeah. guitar center. I remember yeah. lining up at that guitar center for, for grand opening day. You know, this was a cool thing. There was... Uh, legitimately, they looked at the the, the market and, and went. There's a lot of people buying and making music right here. Yeah, and yeah, yeah got Perry's music. Yeah, on St. Charles and Road. It's still there. Yeah, yeah, still there. Half the size. Yeah, but, but still cool. And you got Music City in Lombard on. Uh... Is that still? That's no, still that's long gone. It's, it's right on the Westmore train tracks. Westmore Myers Road. Maybe is, is it right off of the train tracks? It's, that's long gone. Okay. But it, right, uh, Prairie Path. Right at the Prairie Path, there was like a White Hen or a Seven Eleven across the street. Okay, I don't know. That was another one. Park Avenue Music in Lombard downtown. Okay, that's, was... that's the one I'm thinking of. That's where I bought. Yeah, that's, my, that's yeah, where yeah. I bought my my <clears throat> first case. Because remember, I didn't get all the bells and whistles. Right, right. I had to save up another hundred yeah. bucks to go buy it. And and the only thing that would fit my base was like a generic coffin case. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Park Avenue Music was the one where you walk in there and everything's brand new. Everything's 
kind of expensive. Like there's like full Marshall stacks, you yep. know, PV, 5150s, whatever. Perry's was like, oh, they've got, you know, just a speaker basket on the wall with no cone in it from 1972. <laughs> right. Replacement basket. Yeah. yeah <laughs> just all kinds of, you know, junk, but awesome junk. Yeah. But yeah, that just that small area had so many music stores. Lombard Music on, on Main Street in Lombard. I think that's where my brother started to take his music lessons. Same here. That one Two was, I think, there. by the Prairie Path. I, I, I remember the, having yeah. to go there w- with the family to like to drop my brother off at music lessons. Yeah. Was there um, a particular band in Addison that was kind of like the start for you? For me, no. There was no, no bands in Addison. But I kind of, it's weird. I went to the Addison High School. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I lived in Lombard, technically. So Lombard Commons... Or the Lombard Common, whatever it is, was it for me. They had the, like, you know, teen band night or whatever, and that's where... They had that trailer that they would they would put, that, that band was, shell, right? That was, like, kind of the, you know, they would pull that out for kind of, like, a special thing. But, like, in the building there, it was, like, a little tiny gymnasium almost. Okay. Just, like, a, I don't know, general purpose room. Wait, fuck, you never been to any show at the Commons? I'm sure it must have. I'm sure I must have. I, I'm, I was just rem- I was thinking about the the field that like yeah the they, the, the they tees did. and backdrop would play in when they would bust out that band shell and there wouldn't be right. enough power and all right. of our amps when we all hit the chord. Yeah. Boom. yeah. <laughs> uh, so Jesus. same place in that building. Okay. So that's where I met everybody pretty much, and my my band would play there. It was like through the park district. Like hey, all these. You know, kids have bands. Let's yep. give them something to do. Let's give them a place to come put on shows. What we were talking about on the, I think it was one of the last podcasts was, <clears throat> it would be it would be pretty special to get a lot of people in the room for a podcast because there's so many memories. Mm-hmm. You can't just place all of them. You know, like it's so hard to remember what happened when, and you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So it'd be good to like have some clarification with a couple guys, so we're not. Yeah. yeah, no, I saying it wrong, I'd, you know. I'd love to hear some other people's takes on this. Like, if you get, like, wouldn't it be great to get Jason's take on, on how this all came together or something yeah, like that? I you mean, know, absolutely. You know, because it, it's, yeah, all the puzzle pieces would, would fit together. Well, for me, music had to start somewhere and you guys were it. You know what I mean? But then fast forward, then we ended up being in a band together mm-hmm. and Jason and I, you know, so it was just like, and then we met Mike and Mike ended up meeting Tom and the rest is history. But it's like, if it, for me, if it wasn't for the Brockmeyers, that was like really my first taste of local music and yeah. something that was punk rock, you know. And then Tom making the tape all by himself, and Darren comes downstairs, he hands me his tape. He's like, "It's my friend Tom. He recorded all the instruments I put on." I'm like, "Oh shit, man! Like, what's going on here?" You know. I think I went to a, a Brockmeyer show <clears throat> in a house, in a, maybe in, a, in Elmhurst somewhere. Does that sound familiar? I, I, we played in a garage. But it might have been. A, it yeah, might have been like going a, on. But I think at that point it was like something like maybe like it was a reunion show or something weird or like the Brock Myers haven't played in a while, but now they're playing. Like I don't know, something yeah. like that. Could've, but it was like like already at that point was like legendary status. Like <laughs> we all have to go to this. Like you know, right? Yeah, something like that. It was. I mean, it was. It was what you did when when you weren't in sports when you weren't in extracurriculars you hung out with your friends you had five dollars you can get into a, a gig you right. could see five bands and hang out with your friends all night yeah. and you go out and end up at denny's yeah go home and, and repeat like that you didn't you didn't have many other options right at, at that point in time you that was the crowd you rolled with and you just went with wherever they went and 
you heard some great bands along the way. Yeah. Let's let's roll in the backdrop a little bit. So I remember it being first there was Pat Callahan, and then after Pat, Pat was kind of like, ah, I don't think this is really for me, you know. Steve Mueller. And then I remember going to Champs, hanging out with you. Do you remember that? I, we were in, in we I were in Elmhurst. It was Elmhurst? We were off a, of, of York Road. I think there was, there was a pub um, that, I, that I bumped into you at. Because I was home for the weekend from right. school. And I can remember the pub location-ish. But, like, I get, it's kind of by one of the Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of Starbucks over there, but yeah, wait, no, wait, it was really it wasn't it in Villa Park. It, it was in Elmhurst that okay. I, I bumped into you. Okay, so but it it was like so then we kind of threw it out there, right? A little bit like, hey, what are you doing? Nah, nah. But then I think we ended up at Champs over there in Oakbrook Terrace, and I think that's where I, we ended up saying like, hey, you want to be? In, I asked you if you wanted to be in the band. Here's my recollection. From, yeah, I from, kinda, from when I, we were in Elmhurst. Maybe this was the beer days, right? Right. Yeah. No, I mean they all were, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's why I'm asking because I I thought it was champs. It, yeah, I I I remember and and I'd have to look on a map and trying to figure out if that place is even still there. But I remember going there and I remember being there and bumping and you. Oh gosh, I haven't seen you in in forever. You know. Did I have my pants on? You probably had your pants on, <laughs> and and you know we were doing that. Hey, catch up story. How you doing? How you doing? How you doing? And you told me, hey, you know, I'm actually kind of kind of bummed out. He, you're like, I just got done recording an album. And my bass players quitting, and at them, and I said, "Hey, I'm a bass player. Hey, <laughs> hey, you see this guy over here? If you remember, I'm still a bass player." And and I think it was at that pub that we said, "Hey, maybe we can do something." We probably met again at some other pubs or champs yeah, down yeah. down the line, the one that you weren't allowed to go to anymore. Right. But but uh, we, I think it was in Elmers when we had that initial conversation that we bumped into each other, and you were bummed out because you did. He did the driveway, and Mueller was on his way out. He was doing Morningside Drive, I think, and it just, uh, yeah, he was on his way out. I can't remember exactly how it ended, but, but yeah, so then you come into the picture, and we start backdrop with you, me, Darren, and Yazel. Mm -hmm. And um, kind of like, were you still, were you a junior or a sophomore at school? Where, where were you at? I, I was in college, Yeah, clearly, um, and I'm trying to remember... It was right at the tail end of college, so it may have been my final semester. It may have been senior senior year because I remember. I mean, because once I got out of college, I had, I had I got an internship, and I remember the internship was the summer of two thousand, and I remember working at that internship, and you saying, "Hey, we got a show at the Metro," and 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 I I went, "Oh shit, that's my brother's wedding day." So mm. I couldn't do it. So we had to have Steve, I think, Mass filled in Steve for Steve Mass, that's the picture of Steve Mass I have. Okay. Yeah, yeah so, that so that's that one. So I know the summer of 2000, we were already under underway, and we had already gotten to Metro status, if you will. Right. So it was probably junior, senior year of college that, that I would come home on the weekends, and I would drive to Frigid Fluid, you right. know, so from DeKalb all the way over to Frigid Fluids, and, and we, would, we would do our work there. Now... Correct me if I'm wrong, but each practice consisted of two cases of beer, pretty much. It wasn't always two cases of beer. There was plenty of beer, and in, in fact, I think my my uh, my old dorm refrigerator is still probably at the recording probably, studio. Yeah. Because we, we, we had no way to keep the beer cold, right? So when mm -hmm. I graduated college, I'm like, I got this little mini. Fridge. Mr. Yazel drank half. <laughs> <in the fun. laughs> 
Um, so we spent some time up at Frigid Fluid, which was for people that don't know, our drummer Chris Yazel, his family owned a cemetery and embalming fluid plant, which their great-grandfather invented the lowering device that lowers you into the ground <clears throat> and hold the patent patents. And uh, so basically any person at any funeral or wake, that's a Frigid Fluid device. There's only like one other company in the world that makes them, and there's they kind of like, I think they've only sold a thousand of them or something and went out of business. So... Um, we spent a good part of a year, I would say, practicing like almost every day. Yeah, we, we would practice quite frequently. I, I couldn't make it there every day because of the, the right. whole college commitment. But I, I remember I made plenty of trips there. And, you know, it was always that hike up the stairs with the heavy equipment. Yeah, anytime you fucking needed. fridge, <laughs> base cabinet. I started off with a 4x10, but it was a heavy 4x10. It was an right. old Ampeg. Um, it, it looked like a bat, the Batmobile. It, it yeah. was like a 100 pound amp just in a four by ten yeah um yeah it was pretty pretty nuts back in the day with all the big ass amps and shit what were we thinking um but the point i'm trying to get at with backdrop so we had obviously hell of a pretty awesome little stint there a lot, mm-hmm. lot of hurtful times but a lot of great times i would say at that we made a lot of friends met a lot of new bands played with a lot of people we actually traveled quite a bit in that band yeah we we hopped in that van and we went to a few places and we're all lucky to be alive right right (laughs) yeah absolutely um i think though what would be your take on backdrop uh when backdrop kind of came out of the scene maybe because you guys rehearsed so goddamn much but it was like the scene was a bunch of people that kind of didn't know what they were doing and it was all just a, a jumble of really amateur shit and then backdrop kind of came on the scene and we're like wow these guys are actually like pros they're you know they're playing they're not making mistakes they're playing songs you know just it was the the level of polish was very impressive yeah when i wasn't drinking (laughs) (laughs) but some of those ups and downs we were talking about. Yeah, right? yeah, a lot of those. But Did you show up to rehearsal on time or at all? I don't know. Which brings me to my point about Backdrop. So, you know, we met Chris Yazel. Darren said, oh, or actually it was Dan Cassie who said, hey, I got I, I got this. Uh, my cousin is dating this guy. And he taps on his, you know, he's like. I, oh, by the way, to, to, to make it clear, <laughs> when, I, when I'm talking about the level of polish, I'm not talking about Eric. Right, right. At all. It's Yazel. Thanks for clarifying. Yeah. yeah. And Musa. Right. Mainly. No, no, and I mean, Darren, to an extent. The rhythm section was no, no, tight. No, no, you're yeah. Right, right. But then. <laughs> hey, no, no, no. Uh, but the, you know, that's like the, the backbone of the band. You're like, holy shit. Sure. You know, fucking. Yeah, I took advantage of that shit. And then, but uh, then on top of that, there's the songs and, and the yeah. singing and all that. Right. But yeah, just wanted to. <laughs> the singing. Just wanted to, to spell it. <laughs> Yeah, well, thanks for clarification. Yeah. <laughs> no no harm, no foul. Um, so we were doing our thing, you know, which what what, uh, what was amazing about the band is that I met Chris Yazel with Darren before you got in the band, and Darren, you know, uh, Dan Casey's like, hey, he bounces on his chest all the time. I think he could play drums. So we set up this thing where we met him at the studio, and I said, no way, dude, no way. He doesn't play anything like what we wanted. We want a punk rock drummer, you know? Darren's like, no, dude, we got to give him a chance. You know, like he, there's something special about this guy. I don't know what it is, but yeah. let's give him a chance. So then we went, we did one more, re- another day, we did another rehearsal. And I said, all right, fuck it, let's go with it. 
And if it wasn't for that, for Darren saying, let's give this guy a chance, I knew he was a great drummer. It's just it wasn't the style I was looking for. So between Chris Yazel, your bass playing, and I guess if you want to say my oldies songs that I was bringing to the scene instead of like three-chord punk rock stuff, you know, and playing with the clean and distortion, trying to get that rock and roll sound that Mm -hmm. we always wanted... Like, I think that's what kind of shaped us as a band is we all came from a different place, but we were all looking for something fresh, which is cool because then through Backdrop, we started venturing out and getting to meet all of you guys. And everyone was already onto that move where we wanted to be different. Tom wanted to be different. You know, Lucky Boys was doing their thing. It was still punk rock, but it wasn't punk rock anymore. You know, we were growing as musicians and it was getting interesting. And going to the shows wasn't really... uh, you know, it was like you didn't know what you were going to get that week, you know. So, um, yeah, there was that kind of point where there's a transition. Either, either bands just broke, dissolved, you know, people went over to, off to college and just that's the end of their musical careers. Right. Or people said, okay, let's actually do this and, you know, focus and, and try to do something. Because early days was like, you know, Lombard Commons especially, every week was like, it was like the same guys were in four different bands, you know. Yeah. and Called it something And new. they just formed that week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, you know, our drummer can't play the show. Well, I'll play drums and we'll call it this, you know. Yep. We'll change the band name. And these songs that we haven't really finished, let's just play those, you know. But then there was that, that transition where you're like, let's actually. So that was when, you know, that was like Backdrop. Lucky Boys, Show Off. Retro more. Dog Retro and more. Everything. Yeah, Dog, Dog and Everything. everything. Yeah, we, that, that was like kind of all the upper echelon of like, okay, we're actually bands. Like I know, you know, we said we were a band, but we're actually a band. And we're actually going to go Yeah, out. we were taken into a different level, like where we were getting older and we realized, oh, you know, we want to make money maybe, you know, yeah. to be able to. <laughs> nice. <laughs> because before we all, you know, we didn't really need to make money, yeah. you know, but now we were getting to the point where we're, you're getting out of college and whatever. And it's like, oh shit, I got to make something of myself, you know? Yeah. So which was the start, but it was also the downfall for a lot, you know? Right. It, it, it was, it was, it, it helped us, it helped launch us a little bit, but I, I, I remember, I think creatively within backdrop and and another aspect of backdrop that really set it apart was the brotherly harmonies yeah right so we we can't we can't discount that where your vocal range is and where your brother's vocals are lucky to be able to have someone sing higher than me that that always worked out very well and it made up for the fact that you know yazel and i were not very good in that 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 area right so you guys carried that that whole message for us and and it it got very intricate i remember yeah. like the songs we were writing you know he would always come with a fresh idea and again it wasn't always a three chord or if it was it was disguised in some fancy looking chords and stuff like that and we we would just all just jam it out until it became something yeah yeah know? most of those songs were started with some kind of a jam you know, which I always still think to this day is kind of like a, a great way to write a song. Oh, absolutely. You know? that was, and that was one of the things that kind of set Backdrop apart is the personality and, and musicality of everybody really shone through more than kind of a lot of other bands. You know, like Yazel, like you said, he's his own kind of drummer. He's an animal. Yeah. But doesn't fit really anywhere. I don't know. 
But then when he brings that to, to backdrop, that's kind of what makes backdrop backdrop. And you, mm-hmm. as a bass player, bringing your own kind of thing to Eric's kind of oldies, weird stuff or whatever, is right. it like it ends up lifting everything up, you yeah. know? I, I remember telling them when I was trying out for it, I'm like, I have to jive with your drummer. Yeah. If if I don't click with whoever you got behind that kid, yeah. not it's not going to work for me. I mean, no, no offense to you, but whoever I play with, there has to be some kind of connection. And, yeah. and I think Yazel and I had that. We could play off each other. Right. You know, right. even though he was playing some wacky beats, we figured out how to click on it. And I think that was probably part of the, well, the challenges that I heard <clears throat> people over the years, whenever like the dog and everything would do a medley. Yeah. Right. And they would take a T song and they would take a this song and a that song and they'd put them all into a medley. Yeah. And and I we said, well, why don't you ever put backdrop in there? They're like, it's too complicated. <laughs> what you guys doing doesn't yeah. doesn't fit into that three yeah. chord medley. We just it wouldn't fit. So yeah. we don't. It's kind of like with Damar when he first joined the band and he's like fucking all over the place playing fills and whatever. And he's being Damar, you know, yeah. <clears throat> It was kind of like the same thing with like Musa and Yazel. It was like this incredible amount of talent, but Darren and I didn't match their talents. So we really barely knew how to play some chords, you know? So it was like, we didn't know how to like put that into music, you know? It was very hard for us to like try to like match your guys, whatever. If anything, you made us better musicians trying to push the limits, you know? But. It's interesting how it all ended up finally coming together, and I thought we did a great job. And if we were, st- I always say, I'm like, I wonder what it would sound like now because at the oh end gosh. it was getting so. When we took crazy. it down to the trio, and I and I think we we lost your brother because he didn't like the complexity. He lost three chords. He, he he's got his style. I mean, you you know what his style is to this day, but what backdrop was doing wasn't his style, and he he made that he made that clear to us in conversations over the year that. You know, it's just, it's not, he wasn't comfortable playing that stuff. It wasn't his wheelhouse. It wasn't his forte. Right. He didn't have as much fun. And I'm sure the tensions between you two throughout the years, uh, it was always an up and down when you got brothers in the band. Yeah. yeah, well, he never, yeah, we never got along in the first place being in a band together. So, <laughs> I mean, it was a tra- it was hard from the beginning, mm-hmm. you know, so. But then we, we went and we tracked some songs as, as a trio, like yeah. just the three of us. And, uh, you know, his brother came back and did some some harmonies for the recordings and all that good stuff. And where we left off is a, is a trio. I, I really wish, like, that could have been explored. Well, more, it still can. We baby. had some <laughs> magnificent. Like, I, I listened to some of those tracks. And I'm like, wow. We were on the verge of something really cool. That stuff never really saw the light of day. I know I know you finally got it on to uh, Amazon and Spotify and all that good stuff. Yeah. But, it you know, it was never promoted. It, it, we, we played a few... Well, we never had a good recording either, to be honest with you. I mean, we did. We had, like, the, the Atlas stuff was great, but, I mean, like, I think there was a well, lot of... we did of, that at Rex Tracks. Well, right, but the other stuff, too, like, the driveway was incredible. There's, I'm not discounting that at all. It's just that we had a lot of, like, auto-tune things going on and stuff like that where it was, like, you know, you couldn't really... It sounded like what songs sound like now with auto-tune, you know? <laughs> but uh, let's, uh, let's talk about... So you have run to bass yeah what tell us a little bit about that so i've been in in a number of bands original and cover and original cover throughout the years and each each band that you're in like i i am i'm not consistently in pop bands i'm not consistently in rock bands i've played a little of each classic rock female friended pop i'm in a a a jam at reggae and um 
band right now and I've, I've done um, wedding music. I've, I've done tons of stuff. But along the way, I think it was probably post-Backdrop, I ended up in, um, in a cover band and it was called The Remedy. And I lived in Winfield and I would drive to, I think it was Orland Park, and I would get in a 16-passenger van with half the seat stripped out, and we would drive to one of the surrounding states, and the guy who was the, the, the guitar player for the band was actually the producer for Jenny Jones, and that had wrapped up. So that, <laughs> that's, that's his claim to fame there. And then he ran a lawn mowing business out of his garage. Nice. And then he, and he was working you know, a, a cover band on the weekends, so between the lawn mowing business and, and whatever he was getting from Jenny Jones's payout and, and his lawn mowing business, he was making it work. But we, he would book us as Chicago's greatest, you know, whatever cover band. Yeah. But in order to do that, he could, couldn't play in Chicago. He had to play everywhere but because that's how he... That's how he made the legacy work, right? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Like, cause it, no, you, know, like, you guys suck. But, but if we say we're from Chicago and we're great, well, we were from Chicago, and you tell us if we're great. But <laughs> we would go to uh, every surrounding state. Yeah. It would be like a four-hour car ride minimum to wherever we were going. Yeah. And then we we were doing that, and we were making decent money per guy doing that. You know, I'm two, three, four hundred bucks a guy. Per show, and yeah. so like when you're fresh out of college, I got a day job, and I'm doing this on the weekends. I'm like, well, this I got nothing else to do. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I get free beer and I get money, and so I, I do this stuff. But then you know you go through a bunch of different personnel, and the cover bands have a very rapid turnover. And uh, I, I think I got to the point where I was just frustrated with it. You know, I'm driving to Orland Park, the guys keep changing up. I'm getting into tiffs with some people. Some people aren't learning their their songs or their parts. They show up to to rehearsal and they're we're like okay let's play the song you clearly know they just know the key yeah, like yeah. They, like they did, they're familiar with the song yeah. but they've never played the song <clears throat> so I think at, at a certain point I just said you know what I'm done with this and um, the the guy booking it says okay well can you give me a little bit of run runoff time to find a new bass player. And I'm not a jerk, so I'm like, okay, I've drawn the line in the sand. I'm done with this. You start your auditioning process. I'm not going to screw over anyone's income, and we'll, we'll we'll do it from there. But from that point on, every show I went to, I was, I was like, you carry that. Fuck you. I'm rent a base. <laughs> you're just I'm just you're just renting my time at yeah, this yeah. point. You know, I'm not carrying your PA. I'm not loading your gear. I'm not doing anything right. extra. I will show up. I will get in the van. I will play the show. I will go home. So fast forward years later uh, to, to a place where I, I've been in, again, lots of covers and original bands, and I get um, a phone call from this guy that I, I've, I've never met before uh, or, or text saying, hey, um, uh, I know this guy Joe. Joe says you're a good bass player. You could sub for us. And I go, yeah, I, I could sub for you. you, what, do you what do you got? And he goes, I, I got these, I, I need a, a, a wedding on this date. This is right when my son's about to be born. And I said, I'm really sorry. It's like plus or minus or due date. I, I can't do that. I can't commit to a wedding and, and miss my son's birth. Yeah, you don't want to miss Archie. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And so I, I say, well, listen, can you, can you give me some songs that uh, you, you guys play? And I, I can start to, to, to play through them. And... 
he gives me just a very finite list of, of songs, like one show's worth of songs. And I go, well, I, I probably know about half of these, you know, so are there any other songs you want me to know? He's like, what? Like, I've got a catalog of like three days worth of music that I know. What do you want to know? I'm like, well, I just want to see like where the overlap is. And the next time you need me to sub, I'm just going to pick the ones that I know. And he goes, well, that's not the way I do it. <laughs> I play a different set list at every show. You're going to play what's on the set list. Oh, okay. So I take a crash course in, into this because he reaches out later after my son, at, you know, months down the line. He says, hey, can, can you play uh, a show? And I say, yeah, yeah. So I ask for the set list. He gives me a set list. And I bust my ass trying to learn, you know, whatever I didn't already know on that set list. And we show up to the gig and it, it's a variety of alternative and, you know, friends in low places and yeah. your typical bar cover band stuff. And I'm really familiar with this. I cram learned a bunch of songs that I didn't know yet, but okay, cool. And we get to this bar and it's a country bar. Like clearly like all the decorations and staff are all dressed as country people. And he turns to me and he goes... Yeah, I forgot. It's it's a country <laughs> night gig, so the the set list I gave you isn't isn't gonna yeah. isn't gonna fly here. He goes, so how many country songs do you know? I'm like the ones on the set list that you gave me, and there's like three or four of them. Yeah, <laughs> great. Let's play one. <laughs> so at, at at that point, and I had done this countless times over over the years with with um with other cover bands where somebody shows up to the show and I got a new song. And so I learned how to read guitar players' hands upside down and backwards as I'm looking over like yeah. to, to see what they're doing. So I'm like, all right, well, we're here. We have to do this. And so he just guides me through a bunch of songs, tells me the chords, just says, watch me. We play a lot of stuff I had never played before, and I'm sure I butchered half of it. But the rest of them were established. So mm. it, you could kind of fudge some of your mistakes, keep your stage volume down, you know, not distract other people and all yeah. that stuff. But that, that gets me thinking. I'm like, okay, so I crammed all these songs and I can learn all these songs on the fly. Maybe I should start being a sub bass player. Maybe that's, that's my shtick, right? You know, because with kids, you don't necessarily have the commitment to be able to uh, have shows every weekend. You know, yeah. I, I was in several cover bands, which I would play like 100 shows a year, yeah. you know, every Friday, every Saturday, you know, couple odd thursdays and sundays later and you got a hundred shows a year and you can't do that when you have kids right but unless you put in that time and that effort into that kind of a band you won't make decent money you're gonna make 50 bucks yeah. right it's not worth your time and effort to get that project going so i said what if i just sub for existing bands yeah. you know and i had a and i had flashback to when i was in that that the band said you know, screw this i'm rent a base yeah. But that's it. I had an epiphany one day. I'm like, I am rent the bass. <laughs> like it's 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 not just that that the one thing that I did that one time. You can rent me and yeah. and, and I'll, not, be, not, I'll be your uh, whore for uh, three right, hours. I'll right. be your for three hours. Whatever you need me to play, I am willing to do it. And from there, I kind of opened up the doors. I said, Listen, I'll, I was into your standard, like I guess I'd cover band nonsense that they would do. I said, you know what? I'll do I'll do anything. I ended up learning five hours worth of classic rock. Yeah. I ended up learning um, a couple hours of Dio. 
I, I played in a Dio tribute band wow. for a couple of gigs. Oh my gosh, those bass lines are out of control, right? <laughs> I ended up doing um, a female fronted, you know, pop. Like, it, and like we would play decent shows because they, they were already like up and running. They yeah. just didn't have a bass player for that event. Yeah. Right. Right. So <laughs> I, I play, whether it be, you know, I, I played um, Navy Pier, was one of my, my favorite ones that I got to play. Uh, and I've played in the Sears Tower, it's Will, Will, Willis Tower now, like th three times for weddings. Like you get to do some really cool stuff, sure. But you get to pick and choose which right. which events you do. So somebody calls you, said, "Hey, can you play Friday?" I sorry, can't play Friday. Yeah, that's it. Well, Put me on your rotation. Call me again later. Yeah. yeah. And you demand a price. Well, I, it depends on the people. I, I tend to be flexible, right? Because I'm I'm I've been raising my standards, if you will. Because I, I've I've realized that if you don't raise your standards, nobody will, right? So you will be stuck in that hundred dollar per guy gig in perpetuity yeah. unless you do something about it, right? right? So I've tried to set the bar at this point to be like two hundred plus for a gig, right? And I try to tell them, and I've done this before too, no rehearsal unless you really need it. Just give me your set list. I will learn. All of those tunes at like a 90, 95% accuracy. And as long as you play them close to the, the album version, doesn't have to be exact, just do it close or give me a nod. Yeah. If you're going to do some kind of hit, yeah. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Right? And so I, I headed down that path. And I, I met some amazing musicians. Now, I haven't played with a ton of bands at this point, but I've I made a lot of connections. And I'd like to continue to exploit that. And the, the pandemic kind of like smushed all of that. Sure, right, right. right. <clears throat> so I, I had just started that trajectory. I just started to get more of these really cool gigs and then shut everything down. So I've been telling uh, the missus, like, I'm going to start to dust that off again, right? As additional weekend warrior income. Yeah. Like, if I can earn two, three, four hundred dollars just for popping out for Friday night. Yeah. Why not? So at this point in time, we've made the agreement that I have to start going out to local gigs, networking with these musicians. I know I'm online. Yeah. I smile and wave and like their, their 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 posts or whatever. But until they see you at one of their gigs, you're not going to get the time of day. Right. right. <clears throat> well, that I mean, that just kind of like meeting people, you know, for anything. Yeah. You know, just saying, hey, just so you know, here's my card, whatever, blah, blah, you know. Yeah, I'm going to get some gonna, business cards paid. There's, there's going to be <laughs> yeah. a day that somebody's going to not be able to make the gig, you know? That's, that's exactly it, you know? And you'll be there. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. I mean, if I was the dude, I would, uh, you know, we had a cover band and the bass player said I couldn't go. I would put 50 bucks out of my own pocket. You know, if everyone put in 50 bucks, like, I would demand, like, at least for all of the song knowledge and everything you have at this point, yeah. at least 300 bucks to hire you on for a three-hour gig, 100 bucks an hour. Yeah, I mean, it, again, it's it's all uh, flexible. I try not to be a dick, especially if they're making like eight hundred dollars for the gig and there's five of them. I'm, yeah, I, and I'm, I'm sure it all, you know, from your perspective, you know, basically they're paying for your time, your time to learn the songs, your time to go play the, and your time, the value of your time isn't always equal. Right. So for you know, for a certain band, for a certain gig, it might be three times the price of a, a different one, right. and that's just due to the nature of life yeah you know yep, yep. every day is different and for you to learn stuff and go and play it's never going to be the same yeah you know unless okay if it's one band and you're subbing for them and it's kind of the same gig you did last time you're probably giving the same price yeah you know but it, it it's very dependent on the gig i'm sure yeah 
For sure. What? <clears throat> Speaking of cover bands, would you say it's um, <clears throat> if somebody was wanting to start a cover band now, and let's say they have a good song bank, three hours worth of music and stuff like that, mm-hmm. is it getting harder to book a cover band these days? I think the competition has raised the bar. So there, there's a... I'd like to think that I've gotten myself out of the dive bar era. I mean, there was the time where that that's all there was. You had the sports bar and the dive bar, and those were your venues, yeah. right, for, for cover bands. There's, there's you know, and and learning what I did through the, the rent-a-base stuff and starting to see things through a different lens, there, there's, there's a lot of different flavors of cover bands now. You can either surrender <laughs> to some of the local talent agencies and say, you do all of my booking, and then you create some kind of a theme or an act or, you know, you're all dressed a certain way or, yeah. or you have some kind of bit to it. And then all of a sudden you're, you're a festival warrior. But that takes a lot of extra time and overhead and, yeah. uh, you know, promotion and, and all that good stuff. But if you have the time and are willing to make yourself look a little goofy from time to time for the, the sake of entertainment, you kind of surrender to, like I said, a local talent agency Assuming you're with talented musicians. I got a great idea. Yeah. The three of us get hot dog costumes. Mm, yep. And yep. we sing like the Oscar Mayer. Like we, we pitch that. And we'll we got do one like, song. Or we, got, we got 30 seconds of material. <laughs> <laughs> Let's keep it going. As well. long as we get the Wienermobile, yeah, I think. Yeah. Like, no, I mean, well, we can, yeah, yeah. We we'll do like tr- pickle commercials. <laughs> we'll do, you know, you name it. Yeah. We got, we got Vlasic. We got the Vlasic jingle. Yeah. We could do beer beer songs, I guess, or something. You know? I'm in. Baseball songs. I'm in. But we have to dress like hot dogs. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Full bun, it, dog. Yeah, it's all yeah. part of the gimmick, man. You you got to commit to your game. No ketchup on that you shit. Be, you be a hot dog. You be mustard. I'll be like a jar of relish or something. Mm. Yeah. A tomato. <laughs> yeah, something like that. It's like the, um, what is it, the, the McSabbath? Oh, yeah, Max Sabbath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or chicken. What if we were chicken costumes? I'm like Something. we just didn't sing on stage because we're chicken. Wh- whatever it is, I'm in already <laughs> instantly. All right, where can we find Rent a Base at? You can you can find Rent a Base right now currently on on Instagram and and Facebook. It is just Rent Dash A Dash Base Rent a Base on on those two forums, and uh, it it comes up in your Google searches and all that good stuff. And uh, yeah, I've got some emails set up and I'm making some business cards and whatnot. But if you're an established cover band and you're looking for a sub, I'm more than happy to fill the bill. Yeah. Or maybe not even a cover band. I, it, potentially, yeah. If if there's you know if there is the right original artist that comes along and they they need some some sub work, but that gets touchy and goy. That's you know this this yeah. more like are you into what they're dishing out and and you know because. Uh, with original music, I think there's a little more commitment to learning the way oh, they sure. want. Your it price done. is going to go way up. For <laughs> exactly. Right. Okay. Wait. Speaking <laughs> of that, before we end this podcast, I need you to tell the story if you remember about the day that you were outside smoking. You had your wireless and you were playing bass outside, and then you came back in and you and Yazel got in the scuffle. Oh, is do it, you remember it, this? It, 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 yeah, it, we we went out of town and we we went out with uh, was it PXL? We had a hotel party afterwards. You woke up in the bathtub screaming, "Wiggle it, just a little." That's how I woke up. And you were, yeah, you slept in the bathtub. Okay, and somebody threw a mattress out the window. Like it, it, there was there was a bit we had to get out of there. 
Was this um, the same one where Darren almost got his ass kicked for peeing in the sink? No, that was a different one. That was a frat house party. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He. Fuck. He. The poor guy. He's like, hey, he had to pee. He just went. He found the laundry. He, we do our laundry in that <laughs> sink. It was like a fucking big deal. Like, I mean, yeah. I had to rescue him from, you know, another situation. Let's get the fuck out of there. Yeah. You know. So, so no, but but this particular thing, I had I had just gotten my wireless, and like anybody who just gets a wireless, yeah. you're like. Guess what I can do? Which made us super fucking nervous. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it, I think it started watching some other bands like uh, performing in. Uh, there was an auditorium we played in once, and I remember people jumping off stage, running up and down the the aisles of the auditorium, I'm like that. I want that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So I went out and I bought the six hundred dollars sure, like the good one, you know. Not, and I think that's that was your only option in the day. Yeah, I don't yeah. think you had. You any didn't have anything option. below that. It was you either ponied up or you, you didn't. And I and I got this wireless, and we were we were playing, but I didn't know anything about like latency, mm. uh, like uh, I didn't even dawn on me yeah. how, how these things work. I just know that I would hear it and I would play it. So I was I was playing up in it was like a kind of a basement venue. I remember remember that, and we were way back in a hall in a in a corner, and. I decided to explore the, the venue while I, I was playing my wireless. Mid-song. Mid Mid-song. And so I'm walking around, I'm talking to people, and I'm just being cheeky, right? And I, and I go out, and I'm standing next to somebody who's smoking. I'm like, hey, how you doing? And we didn't think it was, like, cool. So, like, we're all kind of like, I just look over, and I'm like, where the fuck is Dan? But, but the, the, the thing was, with that latency, what I was hearing outside at the front door was not the same... Yeah, timing. It takes time for sound to travel. Yeah, speed of sound. Because you didn't have in ear monitors. No, no. So you're listening to acoustic drums flying through the air. A couple hundred yards away. You go to a fireworks show and you see a big flash, and and then it probably wasn't a packed show. So you know what I mean? Like it it wasn't, but but it it was it was you know. So I wandered outside and I. From what I heard, yeah. I was doing the right things at the right time, but where they were standing, it was all out like seconds apart yeah. from what should have been. Yeah. So, and it was, this was all new gear, and that BPE may have been in the rack at the time. And I had it all beautifully crafted, all monster patch cables, yep. and, I, and I think I was running like an SVT4, and like it was all beautifully crafted yeah. and put together. And Yazel had reached over with his drumstick and just flicked my cord out uh. just caught me off <laughs> mid-song because i was outside and i was playing horribly i i didn't i didn't realize yeah. what what was happening yeah i mean but it was like a circus because i look over and i'm like where in the fuck is dan you were just gone <laughs> and darren's like what the fuck and then yazel's getting fucking i mean like it was the first time i've ever seen him like get yeah to what well, happened i mean if there's a timing issue Sure. And you're not even there for him to be like, yo, dude, what the fuck? <laughs> right, right, right. Then, yeah, like, yeah. I could see as a drummer, like, getting as mad as you can get. Oh, yeah, it, oh, gets, it gets good. It gets, it. it gets better, yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean, so he flicks it out, and, and we just we just kind of lose it with each other. One, I felt like, what the hell? Like, what are you doing? Why are you cutting me off in the middle of a song? Who are you to do that? Yeah. And and then the second part of it was I've got all this, you know, beautifully put together, nice, shiny equipment, and you're slapping at it with a drumstick in the middle of a song. Right, like, right. what are you doing? You're, 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 you're ruining my ego and my equipment at this <laughs> point in time. 
So I yeah, I think we probably just imbibed a little too much that that evening and then went on with our hotel party and and tried to forget all about that. Day. Well, they kicked each other's ass on stage is what I remember. <laughs> and like I can only remember being like I remember you coming back and him pushing you and whatever. But um I can only imagine what people in the crowd were thinking. <laughs> like what in the fuck is my, is this a band or oh, half of our shows were probably like that oh yeah because of me <laughs> happy but. friday everybody it's tuesday right it's right, tuesday right, right. eric <laughs> god bless america um i was talking to somebody the other day and one thing i want to touch back on really quick and then we'll end this really quick um was they were talking about like the pressures of trying to be original band and like, you know, like what was it like, you know, to write songs and I just I can't I can't like I feel like I can't be myself. I feel like I have to like write something catchy or try to like follow a groove or something. And I was trying to explain like exactly what we talked about today. So this was good to like kind of like reference this was when you get together in a room with full of guys, everyone's bringing something to the table. Mm hmm. From there, it's your duty to let the song do the work at this point. From what I've learned, you know, like back in the day, we thought we controlled it. But really, it was let the, let the music do the work, you know. Let all the talent from each person, whatever they're bringing to the table, let that collectively be that thing. Because, like, otherwise, what what is another same song on the radio? What is, like, another punk rock song? What is, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I think... There's a lot of people right now that are like, oh, how am I ever going to sound different? Or what am I ever going to, you know, how am I going to separate myself from whatever that's out there right now on the radio? And still, like, have people like it. Well, I think there's a, a lot of people doing their own thing now. It, a lot of barriers have been broken down. And with, you know, the advances and, you know, everyone's got logic in their basement now. Right. You know, you get a hit. Yeah. You know, idea. You put it up on a SoundCloud. You get some some traffic on it. You're like, okay, this this is gonna work even, for me. Even instruments. I was thinking earlier. You know, you spent five hundred bucks on your first bass and amp and cable and all. Like now, if you had five hundred bucks, even with inflation being where it's at, if you had five hundred bucks and you needed a bass and you could get like off of Amazon or whatever. Yeah. Like a better bass than you could probably get back then. That would you know, it's all CNC now, so it's all like perfect frets. Exactly. You know, it would play nice, and an amp, and it wouldn't weigh five hundred pounds because it'd yeah. be a digital amp. You know, whatever. And then yeah, everyone's got laptops, and like, it's crazy. And all you need is just a, a decent MIDI controller, right? Right about now, and yeah. you you can that you, you or, plug that into Logic and call it a day. Or not. Learn well, how to use the piano roll. You don't wait, even need the, the MIDI wait, controller. This you know, is true. Yeah, you need. A, you don't even need a mouse. You got a trackpad on your laptop. Don't yeah. confuse the kids. Well, right. oh, the kids already know. They know. Yeah, they yeah. know. They, they know before us. They're the ones making yeah. the music right. now. Yeah. When he said that, there was some kid listening, and I was like, "No, you just use the piano roll." <laughs> I've been doing that since I was eight. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but I would agree. I think like it makes a little sense having our conversation. It it started getting me thinking. Like it's the same thing. Now, as it was back then, that part of it hasn't changed. Like, you right. literally just let everyone, you know, put the egos down, let everyone bring something to the table, but control it mm -hmm. in a way where everyone kind of just, it speaks to the parts, you know? Like, don't just go out there, I mean, or do that too, that's fine, you know? But I, I feel like that's like the best way to approach, like, being in a band these days with other people. 
Yeah. Personally. Yeah, I I find that, you know, personalities are, are, are a big deal. Uh, the the jam reggae rock band that I'm in right now, Good Time Heroes. Check it out, Good Time Heroes. It we we started with I me and me and a, a, a guy named Brad we're like, okay, we're gonna get something going here. Um and I, I say, I have a drummer. Like I've been playing with this, with this drummer for like eight to ten years. Like we're already in the pocket together, so let let's just do this. And he he may have been a little apprehensive. The the singer Brad, like he doesn't know this guy. You know, yeah. is it gonna fit? And we got together, and the three of us just jived. You know, we were we we all were on the same page. All decent personalities. All all people with day jobs, but all very talented musicians, and all could bring a lot to the table. But then it was a matter of, well, who's who's we need a fourth. We're not doing this as a power trio. We need a fourth. So we went through auditions of a bunch of people, and there were a bunch of people that had all of the skills, but maybe weren't right in the personality department. Right. Yeah, right. So I, f- I find that if you find a bunch of like-minded individuals that you, you, you want to hang out with and you can, you can just relax around, it, it, they're all very talented musicians. That's the best way to approach it. Let them all master their own craft. I don't want to tell them, you know, what kind of beats to play or what kind of licks to, to put in their solo. They're in charge of that. But as long as we can all be cohesive and work together and be on a stage together and communicate non-verbally. Yeah. Right. And I, I'm sure you guys uh, got to appreciate that. You know, if I look over at you, you know what that means. Right. Non-verbally is a perfect way to explain being involved in a band. Mm-hmm. You can't. The only way to communicate <laughs> is to look at each other. You know? Yeah. You got to know what that look means. Yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't mean like I want you to take your pants down right now. Right. It doesn't mean walk well, outside with your wireless. Sometimes right. it does. You got to know that look, you know? It, this is true. I yeah. know tomorrow gives you that look. <laughs> That's the only look I get. Right. <laughs> turn take your, your pants turn off. Turn your base down. Take my what off? My pants? <laughs> yeah, you right. got it, buddy. Well, yeah. I want to thank you. And thank you. Yeah. yeah. No, for taking you. me to the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> we got to work on that. No, it's dot com. Yeah, <laughs> to the bottom. To music. the bottom music pod dot com. Good don't, times. Hero, don't, good don't, time hero. Good com? time heroes. It, it, it's actually yeah. We're on we're on Facebook and Instagram. Nobody gets a, a website nowadays. That's uh, what well, I was telling Eric. But. I mean, it, the people do. The, like, the, those people I told you have gimmicks and acts. Uh, you know, they they still yeah. do that. But it's social media, YouTube. Yeah. It, you know, those are powerful things. So yeah, good time you guys heroes. On TikTok? Uh, we don't have a TikTok yet. We oh. don't have the TikTok, but we do have the YouTube. There might we not have be the one Insta. anymore. We have the Facebook. To this guy over here. Yeah, yeah, thing, yeah. yeah, they're shutting. They're shutting it down at the state. Launching level. any balloons with your name on it or anything? N- or? Not today. Not okay, today. Right. Uh, they're extraterrestrial. <laughs> all right, Dan. Thank you. And thank you. Wow, what a super special show for me! It's been a long time since I've seen Dan. It was really great to catch up with him and give him a big hug. If you want to connect with Dan, you can go to Dan Dan the Baseman on Instagram, uh, Dan Musa on Facebook, and then his other things are Good Time Heroes, Sweet Spot Audio Engineering, and Run to Bass. Uh, I'm pretty sure you can get to all those things here on Facebook if you just go there and click on, uh, look up Dan Musa, and then click on those things, and he's got a link to all those. Um, and as always, follow along at tothebottommusicpod.com and uh, you can see what Mike and I are up to and see who's going to be our next guest. Thank you very much for listening.